everybody here this morning. How many are blessed to be in the house of the Lord? Yes? Amen. If uh, you're new to our church, my name is Greg Johnson. I have the privilege of serving here as lead pastor, and you are welcome. If you're joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It's good to have you with us as well. Amen. Amen. Did you come to encounter the presence of the Lord today? Yes? Did you come hungry and expecting and yearning for a word from the Lord into your life? Yes? Amen. You got to come expecting. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Amen. So today we are beginning a, uh, a new series. We just concluded a series that we've been doing for about four months on the life of Christ. And we went through the Gospels and we, uh, we focused on certain events, main events of Jesus' ministry. And uh, of course, with Easter, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everybody shout hallelujah. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so now we move into the book of Acts, which is actually a continuation of the ministry of Jesus the preaching of the gospel through the apostles empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm so excited about this. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to go right to verse number 1. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Let me just stop there and explain that the book of Acts was written by Luke, the same brother who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And when he says the former account, he's referring to the Gospel of Luke, which he had already written. And so the book of Acts is actually a continuation of the book of Luke, the Gospel according to Luke. Verse 2, Until the day... In which he, who's he talking about? Who's he? Jesus was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Hallelujah. Amen? Now we call this the book of Acts because it chronicles the acts or the, uh, the activities of the apostles after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. But it's important to understand that this is not so much the acts of the apostles, but more the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles. The Holy Spirit empowering the followers of Jesus Christ, to turn the world upside down for the gospel. Amen. 
And this is why in this series over the next few weeks, months, we are going to be focusing on the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit who works through the lives of the believers. That's you and me. Amen? Because the book of Acts is not just a story about the early apostles. It's the story of the Holy Spirit empowering the church. That means you and me to make an impact in this world. How many understand that you have been saved and you have been empowered to make an impact in this world? To not just sit passively by and to watch things happen around you, but to be an influencer, right? And to be able to turn up the temperature through the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. That's what we see in the book of Acts, and that's what we're going to be emphasizing over the the next couple of weeks. This world needs to see Christians who are empowered by the presence of God. Yes? You believe that? Because if ever the world needed to be impacted by the power of God, it is today. This world is broken. It is hurting. It is full of division and strife and hatred and misery and suffering and pain. And what people need today is not more promises from politicians, not more narratives from the news, not more mind-numbing entertainment from Netflix. What people need today is an encounter with the God who created them. People today need to know the God who loves them, who wants to connect to them, who wants to put His power in them, fill them with His joy, fill them with His peace, give them His love and a sense of victory despite what's going on in this world. Amen? Listen, some of us, church, we, we need to turn off the nonsense that we call the news. Some of us are feeding too much on the messages of this world. And we need to realize that much of what we're hearing is not news. It is toxic talk meant to keep you in fear and hopelessness and despair so that you'll keep going back to it, hoping they'll tell you something happy. Listen, whether it's Fox News or CNN or interviews on YouTube, the enemy is using this stuff to keep the followers of Jesus Christ in despair. And I see it all the time. Listen, your peace, my peace, it is not going to come from what's happening out there in the world. It's going to come by getting into a place where you are communing with God and where you are hearing from God and where you are learning from God and allowing His presence to invade your thoughts and to capture your imaginations, right? And to deplete you of your anxieties. To remember that He is a very present help in all of this time of trouble. How many believe that? Your help comes from the Lord, not from some newscaster or from some journalist with a microphone in his hand. And stop looking to the world to give you peace, because the world's not going to give you any peace. The Bible says that he is our prince of peace. The Bible says, God says, I will give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on YouTube. No, it doesn't say that. 
I'll give him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Fox News. No, it doesn't say that. He says, if you want peace, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for an inner sense of joy and a calm assurance that all things will work together for the good, stop looking to the messaging of this world, the toxicity of this world, and get your mind stayed on Him who is our peace. Come on, church. Listen, what if things in this world don't get any better? Have you thought about that? See, so many people say, I don't have peace, I don't have joy, I'm looking at this world and I, I can't wait until things get resolved. You know, the, the rioting and the Chauvin trial and, and, you know, herd immunity and all that stuff. But listen, what if things in the world don't get any better? Our hope is not in the outcome of the Chauvin trial. Our hope is not in herd immunity. Our hope is not in all the riots ending What if they don't get better? What if they get worse? What if what Jesus said about the end times is what happens in our time? What if if that's where we're heading to, church? The Bible says, Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said in the last days, perilous times will come. Jesus said in the last days, iniquity will abound and the love of many will grow cold. He said that men's hearts will fail them for fear. There'll be wars and and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations. He said there'll be pestilence in the last day. And I'm sorry if this isn't happy news. I'm sorry, maybe you didn't come here, you wanted to come here and get something happy, right? But understand something, my job is not to make us happy. My job is to speak the truth and point you to the one who is your Prince of Peace and to remind you that all the messages that you're feeding on in the world are just going to pull you down in more despair and depression and fear. And we need to be prepared. Everybody say prepared. That's my job as pastor is to prepare you to face the truth that may come and to tell you that you can be an overcomer despite what's coming at you from this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. Amen. Hallelujah. And if God be for you, what can stand against you? Amen? And listen, the way we overcome, the way we overcome is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is available to us. And this is what the book of Acts is all about. God's power, tangible, active power available to you and me to be able to stand in this world as overcomers. Having peace, having joy, and being able to show the world that there is a God in whom you can believe. To bring you to the point where the people around you, they look at you, your co-workers, your friends, your families, and they say, what is it about you? There's something different about you. With everything that's going on and spiraling out of control, how is it that you seem to have joy? How is it that you seem to have a word of encouragement for everybody? How is it that you always seem to be so optimistic, right? And that's when you can say, well, let me tell you about my Savior, whose name is Jesus Christ. Amen? To live as overcomers in this 
world. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Read it again, verse 4 and 5. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy... Come on, say it with me. You shall be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. Look at that statement. Jesus says, John, talking about John the Baptist, he says, John baptized with water. You were baptized with water, Jesus is saying to his disciples, but you shall be, he says, more than that. He says, there's more. You've been baptized in water, and that was great, but Jesus is saying there's more. Everybody say there's more. He's saying, you're going to be baptized again in the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means to immerse, to dunk, to, to, to take underneath, to, to bury, to literally bury. And Jesus is saying, just as you were submerged, buried, immersed in the waters of baptism, you shall be submerged, buried, immersed in the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Now, to help us understand exactly what this means, let me walk this back a little bit and take you back to the gospel of John chapter 14. Go to John 14. We go here and we find that event, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the Passover feast where Jesus gathered his disciples together and he had the Passover meal with them and he implemented the, uh, the celebration of communion, right? And, and that evening, that Passover meal, Jesus is with his disciples on that very night where he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be betrayed in a couple hours. He knows he's going to be arrested and nailed to the cross. And while he's there, John chapter 14, at the Passover feast, Jesus tells his disciples in verse 3, he says, I'm going to be going away from you in a very short time. But don't despair because I'm going to my father's house. And in my father's house, there are many mansions. And don't despair because I'm going to prepare a place for you right? He says, don't worry. I, I'm going to go. It's coming to a climactic moment here in my ministry where I'm going to be taken away from you, right? But don't worry because when I go, and then he says this, John 14 verse 16. He says, when I go, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Jesus says, physically I may go from you, but I will not leave you alone. I'm going to send somebody who will be with you. What does that mean? That means none of us is orphans. No orphan spirit in the body of Christ. People feel despaired. They feel alone. They feel depressed, right? No peace. And I'm here to remind you that your father has not left you alone. You are not an orphan. God is with you. No matter what's going on around you and how things are falling apart, God has not abandoned you. The Lord is still with you. You are not an orphan. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a helper and he will be with you forever. And for the next three chapters in the Gospel of John, Jesus is teaching them, his disciples, about this Holy Spirit who will be with them. 
Look at verse 26. He goes on and he says, This Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Again, stop looking to the world. Stop expecting things to resolve in the appropriate way in the world. This world is broken. Things are not going to resolve in the right way. Things may not work out the way you want them to work out. This world is not going to give you peace. But Jesus says, I give you my peace. Let not your heart be troubled and let it not be afraid. If you're looking to the world, you're looking in the wrong direction. Amen? Hallelujah. And then in John 16, he concludes his talk on the Holy Spirit by saying this. John 16, verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send Him to you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, the best thing I can do for you is be taken away from me because you're going to get something even better. You're going to get the Holy Spirit who will be with you and who will be in you. Now that word Helper there, that is used, in the Greek, the word is parakletos. And the word literally means one called alongside to help. Amen. Don't you wish you had some help once in a while? Yes? Guess what? You have help. The Holy Spirit is your helper. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, don't try and hold me here. Right? Don't lose despair when I'm gone. Because the best thing that can happen... Holy Spirit is coming, and He's going to help you. He's going to help you. Amen. Come on, just tell somebody. He's going to help you. Come on, tell somebody. He's going to help you, right? And if you don't feel like the Holy Spirit's been helping you, that means we just got to stir some things up in your life. We just got to remind you of some truth and reactivate your faith and connect you to the truth of what God said about your life, that you are not an orphan, you are not alone, that there is a helper who is with you and who is in you, who goes before you, who comes behind you, and who will enable you to face whatever is in this world as an overcomer. The Holy Spirit will come. Now, the Holy Spirit, we know, is that third person of the divine trinity. We believe in the trinity. One God, everybody say one God, who is manifested in three distinct persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods. One God demonstrated in three persons. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is a person. He is the very presence of God who is everywhere at all times. It is He who does the work of God on the earth. Even from creation, He was there. When Jesus said, let there be light, it was the Holy Spirit who made the light and brought order to chaos. It was the Holy Spirit who acted on behalf of God the Son when God the Son issued the commands at creation for the mountains to rise and for the sea to find its place and for the animals to exist and and to breathe life into man so that he became a living soul. Hallelujah! That was the Holy Spirit bringing life to mankind. And now Jesus is promising that this Holy Spirit, this person, this presence of God will dwell with you and be in you. Yes. This is how 
We know God. This is how we can commune with God. This is how we experience God. It is through the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is what happened to the disciples in their first encounter with Jesus after He resurrected from the dead. Go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I hope you all brought your Bibles. Did you bring your Bibles today? Yes? Did you bring your Bible? you got to bring your Bible to church. Amen? Why do you bring your Bible to church? To do what? To check out the preacher. Make sure he's giving you the Word. Because there's a lot of preachers out there that just like to tell jokes and stories and they don't give you the Word. And it's going to help you nothing. You need the Word of God. Amen? Yes? So John chapter 20, it says here, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. This is after Jesus had been crucified, he had been buried, and he rose from the dead. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with... Isn't it amazing how Jesus always comes and speaks peace to our situation? Amen? The fact that we're in turmoil and don't have peace demonstrates we need to get a word from Jesus in our life. It just demonstrates we're looking to the wrong direction. We need to get close to Jesus to get that peace. Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, watch this. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive The Holy Spirit. What's going on here? He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is what theologians know as regeneration. It's a theological term and it means the impartation of new life. Regeneration. It is the act of being born again. When we in, listen, when we invite Christ into our lives, Jesus does not physically step into our heart. How many understand that? Jesus, God, comes into our life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Right? And when the Holy Spirit comes into us, He comes into us to impart new life. Divine life. Our dead spirit, which has been separated from God because of sin, is now, because of the work of Christ on the cross, is now united with God's Spirit. And through that union of His Spirit coming into our lives, we are made alive unto God because God now lives in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We are now connected to Him in relationship. Hallelujah! Made alive to God. Regeneration. The impartation of new life. How many have the new life that comes from the Holy Spirit? How many here are born again? We got any born again people here? I know some people say, well, I don't like that term born again. It has this weird connotation. I don't care about weird connotations in the world. I am born again. Because except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Guess what? I'm born again. I've received the impartation of new life. The Spirit of the living God lives in me. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you, He made alive 
who were dead in trespasses and sins. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration. Through the what? The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. This is what happened to you when you invited Jesus into your life. The Spirit of God came and took up residence in your being and connected you to Him and you came, became alive. You came alive unto Him. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is what happened to the disciples when Jesus breathed on them. It was the impartation of new life, Holy Spirit life upon them. And now they could commune with God. They could hear from God. They could sense God's presence even though Jesus would no longer be with them. What does that mean? That means for us that each of us can have this kind of a walk with God from that very moment that we receive Jesus into our lives. We are actually receiving that impartation of His Spirit into our being. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You still might be messed up. You still might have tendencies. You still might have issues that you're dealing with. You, you might come to Jesus with a lot of baggage. Anybody ever come to Jesus dragging the baggage behind them, right? But guess what? When you invite Jesus, you are declared righteous. You are justified by faith. Being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which comes through God by faith. By faith, I'm righteous in His sight. Despite all the baggage I'm dragging behind me, I am righteous in His sight. And because I have been declared righteous, now sin is no longer a barrier. That means the Holy Spirit can now dwell in us. Hallelujah. This is what happened to you. You were made alive unto God. How many remember that? How many remember that moment when the Holy Spirit, when you came to Christ in the Holy Spirit? I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember when my eyes were open and the curtains were pulled back and the lights were turned on and I began to see things that I had never before seen. I began to understand things in a way that I had never before understood them. I began to see the world as it truly was. Lost and broken and in need of a Savior. And I remember being frustrated because I saw all these things. And I wanted all of my friends and my family members to see the same things. And I remember going home to my family and saying, Jesus loves you and Jesus died on the cross for you. And you need to have Jesus in your life. And they laughed at me and called me Pope Gregory. But I didn't understand it. I'm like, wait, don't you see it? Can't you see this? It's so plain. It's so I remember going into my school. I was a teenager at the time. When I came to Christ, 17 years old, I went into my high school. And I remember back then, they used to let kids smoke cigarettes in high school. And I remember going out where all my friends were hanging out outside, and they're all copping a smoke out there. And I go out there, and I remember I had my Bible with me. I used to take my Bible to school. And so I took my Bible, and I opened it up, and I thought one of my friends said, come here, come here, read this, read this. It says here in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I said, you know what that means? That means if you don't have Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell and burn forever. That's what I told him. And he said, dude, you're crazy. But I was so frustrated because no one else was seeing what I was seeing. And the reason why they couldn't see what I saw is because I had the Spirit of God living in me, showing me, teaching me, guiding. But they didn't receive that and they didn't know that and they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't, they couldn't understand it. Newness 
of life, newness of life. And let me just say this. If you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you have missed the very purpose for which you have been born. You have missed what you have been designed for. God created you for connection with him. There is a God-shaped void in you that only he can fill. Money can't fill it. A new car can't fill it. Your friends can't fill it. Another relationship can't fill it. Those shots of Jack Daniel that you take every night after work can't fill it. Only Jesus can satisfy the inner craving of our being by the presence of his spirit that he puts in us. Hallelujah. New life. New hope, new purpose, new peace, even though everything in the world has fallen apart. Amen. This is regeneration. New life in Christ. Everybody say regeneration. regeneration. Come on, say it again. Regeneration. regeneration. Oh, you're all theologians now. I'm so proud of you. Hallelujah. But there's more. There's more. Everybody say there's more. Thank God for new life. Thank God that we're saved. Thank God that we got the Holy Spirit who came into us at salvation, right? But there's more. Jesus breathes on his disciples, gives them the regeneration, the new life in the Spirit, and then he tells them, now, Luke 24, 49, behold, now you've been regenerated, you're born again, you're saved, you have my Spirit in you, right? But I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. So tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's telling his disciples, all right, you've been regenerated. I've breathed on you, but there is more. Everybody say more. He says, go to Jerusalem and tarry in that city and wait in that city until the promise of the Father is released and you receive the power. Hallelujah. And so that's where we find them in Acts chapter 1. Go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so there they are. They're in Jerusalem, as Jesus said, gathered together, praying, tarrying. Look at verse 14. It says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So here they are, saved, sealed with the Holy Spirit, regenerated, new life, born again, alive unto God, right? But yet they're expecting there's more. They're believing, they're anticipating there's more. Jesus said there's something else that he wants to do in our lives. Now turn to Acts chapter 2. Everybody say Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, let me just stop. That word Pentecost comes from a word meaning 50. It refers to the last day of a 50-day Jewish festival. But it's not the Jewish festival that is significant. What is significant and what brings distinction to the term Pentecost is what happened on that 50th day, that day of Pentecost, when it says now in verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Did you get that? They'd already received the Holy Spirit, but now something more is happening. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Give the Lord a shout. Because this is not just for them back there. It's for us right here now. You will never find a scripture in the Word of God that says that this promise has been rescinded. It has not been rescinded. The Holy Spirit has not left the church. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century and wants to be alive in you. This is what we mean by Pentecostal. Being Pentecostal is more than having forgiveness of sin, more than having eternal life. That's what happens at salvation. The Holy Spirit gives us new life. We're born again. We're regenerated. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is when God pours so much more of His presence into your being that the Holy Spirit now begins to overflow outwardly and and manifest outwardly and demonstrate the power and the presence of God outwardly so that there are signs and wonders following. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them who believe. I wonder if any of us have any signs and wonders following us lately. Probably not. That's why we got to stir things up a little bit. Amen? That's why we've got to reactivate our faith. That's why we've got to be reminded that the promises of God are still alive in the 21st century United States of America. Even though this world is broken, even though this, this nation is in turmoil, hallelujah, God is not anxious. God is not worried. The Spirit of the Lord is still in the church, and the church can still turn this world upside down for the gospel. How many believe that? Yes? Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38, He said, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, the Greek word is innermost being, from deep within, from inside of himself, will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, something that is in us, in our innermost being, right? We were regenerated. The Holy Spirit is in us. Will then start to flow out from us like rivers of living water. It's as though God places us under the waterfall of His presence and He just continues to pour and to pour into us until that Spirit that is in us now begins to bubble and to surge out from us. And we are baptized, immersed, brought under. Amen? Buried in the Holy Spirit. Now, as we move through the book of Acts, we're going to look at this more closely in the weeks to come. Let me ask the worship team to join me up here, please. We're going to take a look at the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, what does it mean to speak in tongues? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? What does all of this mean, right? I want to tell you something. Everything that we talk about will be right from the Scriptures. Right from the Scriptures. Right from the, so if you're a little unsure about this stuff, you're not sure, you think maybe Pastor Greg is kind of, you know, <laughs> getting a little weird, 
You come, you bring your script, you bring your Bible, and you read along and you see for yourself what the Word of God says. Because too many of us are walking around dry, dead, and defeated. No peace, no joy, caught up in the narrative of this world, not overcomers. And I'm telling you that Jesus has done a work and he has given his spirit to make us overcomers. Let's stand together. And so today, all I want to do is awaken us to the knowledge that there is more. Everybody say more. That there's more. God has more for you. God wants more for you. Hallelujah. And it is called the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up a hand to the Lord right now. Lift up a hand and just say, Lord God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. Listen, you don't have to understand it all. You don't have to figure it all out. Just lift up both hands and say, Lord, I want more. I want everything that you have for me, God. I don't want to miss out on any promise. I don't want to miss out on any provision, Lord. I want my life to, to flow and be over, filled over, Lord, with the power and the presence of every promise of God. Hallelujah.